We continue this week of Christmas of Locked On Coyotes where we discuss the Tucson Roadrunners. A second day, we discuss the Tucson Roadrunners. Brett Fair of the Arizona Daily Star will be joining us in just a moment, but be sure to stick on on Locked On Coyotes. Your Locked On Coyotes. Your daily podcast on the Arizona Coyotes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Robin Leonia. Carl Pavlik right beside me on this wonderful Wednesday. It is December 22nd at the time you guys are all listening to this. Um, the the uh, Tucson Runners are set to be playing the Abbotsford Canucks, uh, so we're talking more Tucson. We had Adrian Denny, voice of the Tucson Roadrunners, on yesterday. Hope you guys all enjoyed that episode, and we're going to continue having a conversation with Brett Fairley, the Arizona Daily Star. We had him before the season began for the Roadrunners, and now we're having him right around the Christmas break, right before Abbotsford. Brett, how are you doing? Good, good. How are you both doing? Oh, not too bad. Um, you know, I just... Excited for Christmas, getting things going, you know. Yeah. Have California fun. I'm excited for the AHL's Christmas break. I we get a, we get eight days of no hockey, which don't get me wrong, I love it, but like it's a breather to reset and get ready for yep. the second two thirds of the season. Oh yeah, I, I wish the NHL had a little bit longer of a break, but uh, that is not happening. No, uh, the NHL does not want to go up against the NBA on Christmas, so at least they no. get a couple days. Yeah, it's a few, but but not many. Potentially, uh, depending on how things work out, because we're very fluid right now with everything. That's true. That's a great point. There might be games on the 26th, 27th to make up for, uh, especially because of time that that's available now. They might they might go and flip the script on on these guys. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, this might be where where the Olympics are where the Olympic break was supposed to be, which probably might not happen. So. Yeah, it's weird. There could be games like uh, on this weekend that are rescheduled, or there could be no games until the start of the next year. Uh, honestly, the situation right now seems to be like a pendulum that's swinging back and forth between two yep. extremes. And let's go real quick. I, I, I want to get your thoughts on that. We talked about it on Monday's episode. What are your thoughts on how the NHL is handling all of this? Since we have, you know, how COVID has run rampant through professional sports. Well, it's it's interesting that it isn't just professional sports. I mean, we I mean, we could call it professional sports, but it's happening at the college sports level. It's happening at professional sports. Um, it's happening at minor league and NHL or major league level sports. I think that's the most interesting dynamic to me is if you really look at and, and look, I if anyone from the Roadrunners organization is listening, this is not a slight on AAA hockey by any stretch. But if you look at the depth of personnel to support teams the major league levels obviously have the most then it's your major college programs and that's still getting hit so you saw the u of a women's basketball team have to cancel a game this past weekend against texas for covid protocols then you have minor pros top level which is the ahl for hockey in particular and so I think that's the concern is the facilities, the, when I say depth, I don't just mean personnel, but ability to space guys out. If they have to rent another bus to give guys more room on a bus, not that that's going to do it, but I mean, things like that, 
that's going to be more plausible at the at the NHL level, at the major college level for various sports. Um, so I, I am curious to see how this is handled. We've already seen some teams struggle. I think it's interesting with the Roadrunners up in Canada um, this weekend or this week pre-Christmas because of the protocols that are evolving every single day between the the U.S. and its two neighboring border countries. So, I mean, it, it may be a difficult swing to get guys back. I'm not trying to start something. I'm just saying we don't know. To Carl's point, we really don't know. And so um, I, I think the NHL in particular, to answer the question, Robin, is probably doing as best as they can. But obviously, I, you know, to what degree? And I think they've left themselves little wiggle room, just like the NFL. The NFL can't see a lot of games get canceled because they don't have more than a week to build into the schedule because they have two weeks between that last playoff series and the Super Bowl. The NHL doesn't have much wiggle room either because, as you mentioned, Carl, the, the Olympic break, the only plausible thing would be that the Olympic break doesn't happen if they have to start replacing a bunch of games. And then what does that mean for guys going overseas? Do they send guys over and still have the NHL teams play their games and all of a sudden you're now pausing the AHL because you're calling up the second tier players to fill spots, just like is happening this week with Carolina and some of these places that have, you know, dropped into the, into the low, you know, mid to high teens in terms of availability. So the short answer is I think they're doing the best they can, but I don't think anybody can predict anything. And I think everyone has to be prepared for fluidity across the board to use the word Carl used to start the show. It's it's one of those weird situations where, like, looking back, I almost wish they had done another taxi squad, but I feel like that could have just compounded the problems. Like, uh, the the NHL is just being hit really hard right now, and I do think it's kind of interesting that we're not getting the same stories about the AHL. We're not seeing AHL teams shut down games or have to play without fans that we've seen for the NHL, and. It, it is happening. I mean, Laval in particular had uh, half the arena filled last weekend for, um, I can't remember who they played. Um, and then ultimately, I think the game got canceled, if I'm not mistaken. So the intent was it to be half full. Um, there's there's about, a, I, I'm getting the alerts from the AHL, and there's a good, you know, a minimum a game a day that's getting canceled over the last week or so. So it is happening. It's just, or postponed, but there's just not the media coverage of it nationally to make it a big enough deal. And, and I'll go a step further too on, 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 all, on all of this too. And obviously we're still days away from this and we don't know. Um, there's still a lot of unknowns about this, but they're probably going to try to make sure this happens. And I'm talking about the world junior championship because once uh, Christmas ends, that begins. And we're talking players from around the world going into Edmonton to play a what two three week long tournament um, i mean luckily it's all in edmonton it's essentially like a bubble but... well I, I think that's the saving grace i mean if they wanted to they could tack on a three or four day lead-in and do a testing and mini quarantine for everybody if they chose to so i mean it's possible that you just start pushing teams and players to get in early but something that's interesting though with this whole thing and you brought it up with the taxi squad is you know, you look at even even affecting the roadrunners and former roadrunners. So Hudson Fashing is a really good example. Jordan Gross, who's now with Colorado, he's with the Colorado Eagles, and I think he leads the AHL in scoring for defensemen right now. 
um, God, forbid, God forbid he should have been held into this organization somehow. But um, I'm just saying like, it's just, there's, there, there was all this talk of, of your Michael Buntings and your Connor Garlands, but they lost a lot of other pieces too, that could have at least been contributors over this few year stretch. Um, but Jordan Gross spent the entire season on the taxi squad for the Coyotes. Didn't play, I think a single NHL game, maybe played a couple. I could be wrong. I'm getting them conflated with a couple other players, but Hudson Fashing played, I think four games at the AHL level, six at the NHL level. These are lost seasons for these guys in the theoretical prime of their careers, whether they're NHL players, quadruple A level players or not. Dakota Mermis, if you guys remember that name, was the captain yeah. of the, the uh, Roadrunners a couple of years ago, literally spent the entire season on the Minnesota Wilds taxi squad, didn't play a single AHL game and only played, I think, the last four games of the season for Minnesota in the NHL level last year. I mean, these are literal lost seasons. And I had a conversation with Fashing about it. And he said, I kind of made a joke and I go, I'm hoping they were paying you the NHL prorated salary. And he goes, nope, Taxi Squad got the AHL salary. And so I would imagine even though it doesn't affect the day-to-day regular NHLers that there would be some pushback over the taxi squad, especially for that reason alone, that you better pay these guys like they're on a real NHL squad, which the teams would obviously balk at because you're talking about another half dozen salaries. You got to pay at full force. But, um, but that's to me, the biggest thing is you got to, you got a guy like that who is, you know, again, his, his prime was probably two, three years ago, but he's not done making moves yet. And yet he basically practiced the whole season um, which everyone had it weird it was shortened all the stuff that went on but i i think that the taxi squad would be useful but i also think the players would say heck no i i will say uh i i did not know that about the taxi squad i don't think that it was very widely reported what the pay rate was i don't think it should have been it absolutely should have been an nhl wages you are basically spending a year as a black ace um yep you should be getting NHL wages. And again, I haven't, done the, I haven't done the digging on that. That's just one yeah. player told me that. So I have no reason not to believe him, but, um, and it was just in passing. I mean, it wasn't off the record or anything like that, but it was just like kind of in a, in a conversation about some other stuff. And it wasn't something that I had the need at that moment. It was, this was, you know, a month ago. So it was after the fact it didn't play a role. There was no, there was no worry about the potential of something like that again, right. but but if yeah. you look at this right now, I mean, are they even in a position to add players to taxi squads? It, it, but the way that these teams have been been built, it was it was another interesting conversation. Zane McIntyre, basically the third goalie, kind of the second goalie, but the third goalie in essence in terms of true roster depth for the Roadrunners. I mean, this dude put up legit all-star level numbers last year in Lehigh Valley and couldn't find a job. And this is where I could have probably done something on this if I dug a little deeper Um some of it's hard because we just don't get a ton of time with these guys to really ask exactly what they're saying. But he was explaining that he thinks it's because the taxi squads basically that this year, the reset of the league that pushed guys back down, especially at the goaltender position, eliminated a significant number of positions, you know, half the goaltending spots in the league. If you think teams are really only going to carry two, the roadrunners are kind of an exception. And so he was probably in the middle of that pack as good as he played because he's also 30 years old. And so he basically was without a job until the Roadrunners and Coyotes, really the Roadrunners, gave him a PTO. Um, yet his career numbers, he, I think I, I saw something that said his, his worst season of his career um, was better than, than the combination of uh, Prozvatov and Kozanash through the first three weeks of the season. The worst season of his career. So every other year was better and he couldn't find a job in the league. And so that's an interesting component of it too, is do, are there enough players 
to actually rebuild this. And I'm not saying you're suggesting midway through the season or anything, but they might need to consider it or at least one or two guys, maybe not a whole six or whatever it was, but. Yeah, it, it's definitely a, a, a weird situation and I'm very interested to see like what the people in charge decide to do because something's not working. They need to do something else. Absolutely. We still got more to get to on this episode of Locked On Coyotes. Once again, Brett Ferrer of the Arizona Daily Star joining us on today's episode. We are going to continue our conversation about the Tucson Roadrunners as, um, among other topics on today's episode. Uh, but first, a couple words from our sponsors. Get beard, get primal. You heard me right. Got beard, get primal. If you or someone you care about has a beard, it needs to get primal. Maybe you're that guy who has never considered the benefits of treating your beard with product. Primal Origin Oils will stop the itch and make your beard look healthy and groomed. These products are free from harmful synthetic ingredients and with a low impact on our planet. Primal Origin Oils makes balms, oils, and whipped butter that are renowned as the best feel in beard products available. All products are fair trade certified and handcrafted in the United States. The beard combo kits make a great holiday gift, and if you're shopping for yourself, you'll be glad you did. Uh, I personally, I talked about it a lot. I have a lot of friends with beards. Personally, I don't like a beard. I was looking at some old pictures from a couple years ago when I had a beard. It looked horrible. Probably would have done better with some product, uh, but eh, this was pre-primal, so I didn't know. We all know that companies claim to have the best, but Primal Origin Oils challenges you to compare their ingredients and the feel in the beard with other products you've used. We promise you'll see and feel the difference. Remember to use the promo code LOCKDOWN to get 20% off at PrimalOriginOils.com. That's promo code LOCKDOWN for 20% off. And this episode brought to you by uh, by Built Bar this holiday season. Grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar. Built Bar full of so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazing low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and it's high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. So many flavors, you have a hard time choosing. We have raspberry or mint brownie, cherry or double chocolate, Cookies and cream or peanut butter brownie. Built Bar gives you the extra fuel you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers. Or if you're just battling, standing in endless shopping lines, Built Bar can give you the extra something to keep you going. So throw it in your jacket or your purse. You never know when you're going to need it. And, you know, because of the season of giving, why not go ahead and, uh, you know, order a couple extra Built Bars. Give some to your family. They might really appreciate that. Um, as well um, and uh, here's another, here's a little tip for you guys too maybe dip a built bar into some hot cocoa during those times you want to cuddle up and you know just get get nice and warm melt that melts a little bit to get that built bar flavor in that hot cocoa plus you will have that melty built bar to go with it i want you guys to all try this yourself go to built.com and use the promo code locked 15 you get 15 percent off your order once again that's locked 15 you have 15 percent off at built.com and we're back here on Lockdown Coyotes. Once again, I'm Robin Leonio, Carl Pavlik joining me, Bart Ferrer of the Arizona Daily Star joining the episode. Uh, as we discussed in more Tucson Roadrunners, our second day in a row we're talking Tucson. Once again, I just want to give a, a second thanks to Adrian Denny for joining us on yesterday's episode. If you have yet to listen to that episode, feel free to go back and listen to that one once we're done with this. Uh, but uh, let's, go into, let's, let's go into things, Brett, because... This 
season for the Coyotes and Roadrunners have been, has been quite quite something because injuries and COVID has kind of went through the Coyotes and thus lots of call-ups. We've seen however like what eight or nine call-ups from Tucson this year. Uh, I think we've seen at this point seven players make their NHL debut with the Coyotes. Uh, it was five, and then I think it was Spears and Mosier making their debuts. Uh, the Melka was one, so that leaves like six players from the Roadrunners. So that's just insane. Yeah, I think I, I think you have to also take into account the news of this past weekend of uh, Vladislav Provolnev basically, you know, getting on a plane back overseas. Uh, I'm assuming to the KHL, um, but. That's a direct impact of these moves, too, because there was some potential. I don't think it was likely, but there was some potential coming out of camp that Provolnev might have earned a spot or might be able to earn a spot. I don't think he did, but might have, might be able to earn a spot with the Coyotes or at least be play well enough to get a call up. And he wasn't bad, but he wasn't standout. I mean, there was nothing that remarkably stood out about what he did with the Roadrunners. And so when you start seeing Cam Deneen and Dyson Mayo these sort of, at least in Mayo's case, lifelong uh, AHL players and Deneen in his third plus season. And then JJ Moser, 10, 12, 15, 18 games into his career, getting call-ups on the defensive end and Provolnev basically said, all right, I'm out. And so that's a direct impact too. I mean, not that they would have called him up just to make him happy and then send him back down and be like, okay, well, we, we did it. But I, I think that that matters. So you not only have the call-ups, you've also got that situation. But but yeah, I mean, they already have that many. You're going to probably see Matias Michelli get a call-up at some point, um, yeah. even if it's late in the season, a la Jan Yannick and Victor Soderstrom last year. I'm kind of surprised we haven't seen Soderstrom go back up. Um, but although he's been playing really well, I think he had two or three points against Ontario on Saturday night. So in the overtime win over the rain. So um, I it's it's not a surprise, but it goes to exactly to the point you made, Carl, about the taxi squad. They're using a taxi squad. They just don't have one with them. Yeah, essentially. Uh, the the Provenev was interesting because I remember he was on the rookie development camp mm-hmm. and people were like, oh, he's 25. He doesn't need to be there. He is here to like prove that he is willing to work for an NHL spot. And I thought he looked fine as like a like a physical shutdown defenseman um, for Coyotes fans, maybe a la Zabinik McCulloch, Rostislav Klesla, like one of those kind of guys. Uh, so it was interesting that he never got the call up. And yeah, I guess he just kind of got tired of it and – and that's always unfortunate. It's a, it's something you hear a lot about, like KHL players. They don't want to spend time in the AHL. They want to either be in the NHL getting consistent minutes or they want to be in a professional league in their home country. And I don't necessarily like downplay that. I've worked in another country before. It's, it's tough. I wouldn't want to necessarily do it uh, in that kind of situation. So eh, whatever, but it, it's really stretching the Tucson defenseman. Yeah, it really is. It's it's going to be interesting to see what they're able to do in terms of working with uh, Rapid City and having even just, you know, serviceable uh, fill-ins for that. Yeah, and yeah, especially like if you just look at, you know, like so far what's, you know, what else has been done? I mean, obviously for the last month plus, you've had, um, you know, Dyson Mayo and Cam Deneen have been, uh, have just been chilling up there in Glendale. 
Um, it's you know, I've been no part to be honest, I'm a little surprised they've been up there for that long. I thought there would have been like a switch, like you know, as you mentioned, Soderstrom, hey, uh, again, you but. know, Mayo's playing. Uh, you know, almost team high minutes, right. which is not a good thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that says something and we all know what that says, but like at the bare minimum al- among the guys that are there, he's, he's at least, I, I mean, knowing him and I'm, I'm not trying to carry water for him, but I, I got to believe he's at least working his tail off to, to at least earn that shot, whether in a typical season that's deserved for lack of a better word or not. Um, you know, that's, that's to be determined, but. Uh, I mean, it was it was unfortunate to see um, Tanner Timmons go down with a knee injury so early. It it felt like it was just like, oh, this is going to get bad because I, I think the team was kind of expecting him to be a major contributor, with the idea that they could potentially send him down if he like you know has a couple problems. But the expectation was he was going to play the full season, but just a knee like derailing his entire season. You're like, Oh, what are we going to do? And yeah, uh, call See, up Tucson. You guys want to know the, the Vladislav Provolnev stat of the year that explains his situation better than any. Of course. Let's hear it. 1,011 skaters have played a game in the AHL this season. He's dead last at minus 17. I'm wow. not saying that minus means everything, but sure. De- dead last at minus 17 with one point. The the 10 or 12 guys ahead of him, you know, Joaquin Blitchfield with San Jose, who we know a lot about at minus 12, has 16 points in 20 games. So, like, there's, you know, movement. So, no scoring and a minus 17. Um, and just just lack of impact. That's the answer. And that's interesting because we were talking about Proven, like um, Provenev at the uh, during preseason during rookie camp, and I asked you, Carl, and like you said, he looked like he was ready for the potential spot. He looked good. He yeah. and Koyachanik looked pretty good. Koyachanik, by the way, um, it, since it's the Tucson Roadrunners episode, did score the game-winning goal last Saturday against the Ontario Reign. Um, but, um, but yeah, yeah, it, it's definitely like one of those things where. You can't pay too much attention to preseason because, yeah. like, well, the people who are really engaged, like, they're engaged against top competition that's not necessarily as engaged. And, and, and to your to your point about what stats are available at the AHL level, Carl, like, we can't really pay too much attention to plus minus, but sometimes the outliers do say something. So yeah. I think this is maybe one of those. Yeah, it, it could be, but like, it's also like for a what his role was supposed to be, you wouldn't expect it to be a major minus like role. Like you expected him to be competent enough at the defense, like more of a defensive specialist. And yeah, you can't be a minus like at that. Yeah, There's, there's only one, there's only one defenseman on the team worse than a minus four. And that's cam karate. So other than Provolev. So to be at minus 17, um, is a little, is a little much. Yeah. Definitely. Also, um, before we get into our next break, I just want to get your real quick thoughts. Uh, so, based, so tonight, uh, assuming nothing has changed in the days actually we pre-recorded this episode, the Roadrunners are playing uh, Abbotsford. And you and I saw the Abbotsford come to Tucson just a couple weeks ago, I think, maybe earlier last month. Um, your thoughts on this? Your 
initial thoughts on this before we go more into the next segment. Are you asking me or Carl? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So uh, you better well, answer because no, I will a- just ramble for it. A- Abbotsford has actually been in a little bit of a role since they were in Tucson a couple of weeks ago. I think what's most interesting about this series and what I think um, Adrian and I have talked about this a lot on our show on Roadrunners Happy Hour on, on some of the broadcasts that we've done together is that there's it's the perfect getaway week for the Christmas week with, with the number of guys, even though it's a more uh, culturally diverse roster in terms of nationalities than some other teams, um, meaning it's not 22 Canadians and three Americans. Um, but there's still, I think 13 or 14 Canadians on the roster and they all have a really easy trek out of Vancouver. Um, the night of the 23rd. So, so essentially Thursday night and not that that affects the play, but I wonder how it affects the play in terms of maybe it makes it a little less stressful because they're not thinking two days ahead of how they're going to get through COVID back across wherever all these half this team is already sort of in the area they want to be going, which is either, you know, trekking to, to Toronto or East to, to Quebec or, or, you know, the rest of the team heading south. I do know a lot of the guys are actually coming back to Tucson who aren't, you know, moving about in Canada. That says nothing about the game themselves. Abbotsford, I think, is better than they played when they were in Tucson. And like I said, they've been on a bit of a hot streak. They've won two straight. They've won, you know, six of their last 10, which is definitely better than than Tucson has been. But uh, um, but I, I think they are where they're supposed to be, which is in that middle pack. You know, it's hard to differentiate Henderson, Abbotsford, Colorado, Tucson, Bakersfield, and San Diego. Like the, the second through eighth team are basically might be, you know, a, four or five points apart, but they're really not. They're, they're all lumped together. And uh, I think Ontario is sort of sliding into that mix. So it, it's, I'm sorry, third through eighth team. So it's going to be really interesting how these teams shake out. And um, I, I think Abbotsford started much slower than they should have. So I think this is going to be a really, a really big test for Tucson, especially a Tucson team that more than likely won't bring every player we just mentioned with them. You know, the fact that they had Blake Spears and Mike Carcone be able to play with or be at least there in Anaheim on Friday and then back with the Roadrunners in Ontario on Saturday is great, but that's not going to necessarily follow them, especially considering the, Coyotes um, um, Vancouver game. Is that right? Coyotes Vancouver or Coyotes Kraken? Coyotes Kraken is... Was it Kraken? It's going to be the Kraken on Tuesday. Uh, and then... It was they Coyotes, were supposed- Coyotes Vancouver over on Sunday was rescheduled, right? Yes. I'm yes. getting mixed up. So, yeah. um, so if the Coyotes and the Kraken play, maybe it still sort of works the same way, but because um, the Coyotes are still going to need guys available. Yeah. And so I think I think the Roadrunners roster is depleted more than it was even on Saturday. I think they're going to have a lot of trouble with Abbotsford. It'll be an interesting game. Um, one thing I just want to I do want to mention pretty quick is because the last time uh, they played each other, uh, that was the first time since year one that they played the Canadian national anthem in hmm. uh, in the Tucson Arena. Uh, and I just love that you were having an absolute kick out of it. Did you um, see the story I wrote on it? It's okay if you didn't, but I wrote a story about it and I talked to some fans who are from Canada who moved to Tucson. And so this one guy, he's telling me how he, uh, I wish I knew his name off the top of my head. I feel bad, but I had a great conversation with him. And he said, yeah, so he and his wife have season tickets and they have a, a two-year-old and a four-year-old. And he said, I don't know any songs other than the Canadian national anthem. So that's what I sing my kid to sleep 
That's what I sing to him before we go to sleep. So as soon as it starts playing, his son looks up at him and like gives him this like really worried look, basically telepathically saying like, I don't have to go to sleep now, do I? Because <laughs> he hears it over the speakers. And so he was like, no, 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 we're okay. Uh, That's awesome. pretty great. That's the second night. I don't know what the backstory was. I wish I had looked into it. But the second night it was sung by um, a Tucson arena worker. Um, he was in full garb, had his like name tag on him and all this stuff. And uh, he just, I don't know if they just like knew he could sing and was like, dude, can you sing the national anthem? We don't want to play it over a recording anymore. I have no idea what the backstory is, but, uh, but it was kind of funny because he turned around and walked out and went and did his job the rest of the night. <laughs> nice. That's cool. I, yeah. I found it. I, um, maybe, maybe it was a, a, a couple of reasons. I noticed that uh, when they did play the recording on, uh, on the, on that first night, I did notice that they played the, the, the quote old version. They updated a couple of words. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. It's no longer. It's not uh, in all my sons and all of us. That's yeah. what it is. Oh, interesting. They yeah, just, I still they, they I still know the old version. So I I I grew I we've talked about this. I grew up in LA going to LA Kings games and so a lot against Edmonton, Vancouver, Calgary and um there was a guy who used to be sort of the de facto who sang the national anthem on specifically the games that were against Canadian teams. His name was Warren Weeby. He was an opera singer. Um he passed away a few years ago, but he he would sing the Canadian national anthem and um he did not sing the Star Spangled Banner though. He sang America the Beautiful which I loved. And he did both of them, I guess not acapella because it's one person, but no music behind him, entirely just his voice. And um, pretty, pretty killer renditions. If you Google it, um, there'll be one from like a playoff game that'll come up and Probably. it's pretty amazing. But, uh, but that's how I learned the Canadian national anthem was from listening to him sing it at, at Kings games growing up. So I know the whole thing, but I know the old version. I never realized they changed it and it makes sense. I'm glad they did. It's a, be, be a little more uh inclusive 21st century yeah yep. yeah i know it from a simpsons episode uh there's an episode of the simpsons where it's a baseball thing and they end with like a fight and they're like let's sing the national anthem but not one of war like america what of peace like canada and then they sing the canadian national anthem it's just a beautiful end to a mid like a mid-season Simpsons episode. That's great. Love it. <laughs> uh, absolutely. But um, another point I wanted to make, though, was uh, this is also the first time the Roadrunners team going up to up, up north of the border. And I think because they never went to Manitoba. I think they only had Manitoba come down here. That's a good point. I don't remember. That's actually a really good point. Um. You know, it's interesting too. Even though it's a it's the Pacific Division, I I was looking at it when they were going to Iowa, and it I got it wrong. I'll admit, <laughs> I actually got it wrong in my story. I had put just off default, and I should have done a better job checking that. Yeah, Iowa's the longest road trip of the year. It's not. It's it's Abbotsford. It's it's clearly Abbotsford by a couple hundred miles. So just I think that's kind of interesting, and it kind of actually makes me curious. The decision, even though it was sort of made before Abbotsford came into play, the decision to put Seattle's uh, AHL franchise in such close proximity to that of Los Angeles and Anaheim and Tucson and Vegas, um, rather than having it a little further north, because you basically got Abbotsford on this island and then San Jose. And for now, at least I say that because there's always rumors about Stockton and their viability um, and whether they'll be there. But 
Um, but yeah, it's interesting how it is the furthest trip. It's further than Texas. It's further than Iowa. Um, so if there is a decision to do to the Roadrunners next year, what the NHL did to the Coyotes, it it actually might not make every trip ridiculously far. But hmm. interesting. Because we have we did we talk about that at the beginning of the year? I can't remember if when I visited with you both that because uh, next year they're they're slated to have ten teams in the Pacific Division. You know, a third of the league or, or, yeah. or 10 out of 32 teams is going to be in one division. So they're really probably going to have to divide that up. Um, but that's also interesting, too. I wrote about this past week, how the playoff race is kind of strange for the Pacific because seven of the nine teams are going to make at least a, a three game playoff series. Um, so you only really the only real race is to win the division because you get a buy from that three game series. So instead of it start last year during the pandemic, it was a one game playoff in, I want to say Irvine, where the goals were playing in a in it was, Orange yeah, County. It was, it was Irvine and, that first round, and then right, but it was one game, and they played both, I think, on the same day or three all three games on the same day or something like yeah. that. And then the three winners of that advanced to a three game or five game series. One of which went and played Henderson who got the buy this year, the buy goes to the first place team. So if it was set up today, Stockton would get the buy. Um, and then even, even Ontario, who's got the fourth best record in the league would have to play a three game series to get to the real Calder cup first round. So it's, it's great in some respects, because some teams are going to be able to see that, okay, seven of nine teams and next year, presumably seven of, of 10 will get in. But, um, but at the same time, you know, you could be like Ontario and have a top five record in the league and completely get hosed, you know, in terms of, of, yeah, you'll host for three games, but you're, you're getting a lot more, a lot more, um, you know, uh, wear on those tires. That's why I'm glad the uh, that playoff series, the play, the Pacific Division playoff is coming back. It kind of makes things interesting. I'm I'm torn on it. I mean, I think I like the competition for four teams to get in, but I mean, because if you really look at it, if you look across the divisions, it's something like 26 of the 31 teams are going to play after the regular season ends. I mean, granted, some will only play a game, some will play three games, but it's kind of a lot. So it is a lot. It's true. But also, they don't let's count also be, it. Like the Calder Cup playoffs start with sixteen let's, teams. But. Let's also be let's let's also be fair though, Brett. The Pacific Division only plays sixty-eight games versus the rest of the American Hockey League will play seventy-six. Yeah, next year that changes though. It's seventy-two for everybody. So, um, so this is the last year of that. So I wonder what that's going to do with the playoffs going forward. It, but yeah, I, I think I think everyone goes to seventy-two next year. Interesting. Interesting. It'll be it'll be. See how that works. So Anyways. four more four more midweek games for Tucson, and then, um, and then everybody. I, it's it's going to be interesting on the East Coast how teams are going to be if they're going to be okay with two less home dates. I mean, this is a gate driven league. They need every single as much money as possible purchased and, yep. and every hot dog and every you know beer they can sell to to make to make budget. But absolutely we still got more to get to on this episode of locked on cutties though we'll wrap things up with brett farah in just a sec but first let's overturn the car for a quick word from our sponsors so bet online has you covered all season with more props odds and lines than ever before and that's as football season continues its march to the playoffs bet online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season Head over to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, 
boxing, and UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. So back here on Locked On Coyotes once again on this uh, Wednesday, getting ready for the uh, uh, Tucson Roadrunners versus the Abbotsford Canucks. Uh, we got Brett Farah on with us today. And Brett, uh, I did this with Adrian yesterday, and I'm pretty sure I also did it with you at the beginning of this year. Like, like not even the beginning of this year, I'm talking back in February when I first, like only a month into launching the uh, – um, the podcast, but you know, things can also change. Maybe you have other stories you want to tell, but do you remember I did, I, 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 for a while I did a stories from the press box segment. I really loved doing those. Um, so let's, 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 let's add, let's add more. Any, any other stories that you had <laughs> that you love to share that, uh, that you experienced in the Tucson Roadrunners press box, press box. I know, We've seen some interesting stuff down there, even just in, even just in the last year. So, um, last week, two weeks, I guess two. No, last week, the midweek series. Uh, I don't want to get anybody in trouble, but I think the Zamboni drivers were training new guys. I have video of them like crashing into the boards a couple times. It's pretty nuts. <laughs> I mean, it 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 seems like it takes a lot of skill to drive a Zamboni. I've actually gotten to ride on one at a Coyotes game. I won an in-arena contest, uh, and it was really fun. Uh, but, yeah, it looks very it was, complicated. I cannot imagine doing it by myself. It was wild, and, and it was it was post-game, um, the Tuesday night game. I hope I, I mean, I'm independent of the Roadrunners, but I'm appreciative of the partnership I have with them to be able to be independent as a reporter and still – participate in certain things so i'm i kind of toe that line admittedly so i don't get myself in trouble i don't think i can or anyone else but long story short it's it's me adrian denny and jimmy peoples up in the press box and we're kind of wrapping up i'm finishing a story and all of a sudden i hear this kind of not loud it sounded like you know a boko mama check into the boards you know it, i look down and it's the zamboni sort of peeling away and jimmy and i look at each other i'm like okay this is interesting and Next thing you know, I'm I'm just watching. Dude's going fast, <laughs> and down at the other end, it was basically so he was in the middle of the ice, and he's he's stretching from one goal to the other, you know, basically doing the center portion of the ice. And it was only one Zamboni on the ice at the time, and so he got to the north end. This is the first one I just mentioned, and just turned too late or was too, slightly too fast. It wasn't speeding by any stretch, but when we watched the video comparing it to the in-game Wednesday night, like you could tell in like in the intermissions, guys going much slower, you know, different person, not the same guy. Uh, this was a younger guy and versus an older guy that normally I think does it in that particular one. It was not the truly Nolan uh, uh, Zamboni. It was the other one, which is what, uh, Casino del Sol, I think. I think so, so anyway, yeah. um, so it just, got you know didn't didn't catch the turning radius right and clipped the boards and so came back down and did it again but five times five times and you know the three of us are talking and like we were just like that's you know that's a that's that's a three-week break if if something goes through one through the boards like imagine supply chain issues everything going on um so you know i i i had never seen something like that before it was a little wild um but uh yeah, it was 
it was definitely not i i have I, I do have video of it i'll share it with i'll share it with you both it's it's only of one it's the last one and it's not as good as the first four but it still happens um, it, it, beautiful and again that's those are the things i love to hear right the, the, I, those, those kind of stories because it's like fans won't see that they definitely will not see that because yeah. you know a lot of this stuff happens behind the scenes when everyone's gone or when they assume 99 percent of people are gone the last well there there's a couple of other interesting things um one of them uh i one one wasn't really in this press box but there's i don't know if you both have talked about it in, in a previous episode um but uh um story from craig morgan at phnx i think two week and a half two weeks ago he actually quoted me in the story about some of the stuff robin you have i and i have seen about the developments going on in the arena and the the road owners won't talk about them um if they admit they're happening but they can't say what the purpose is but they're basically building you know for that building you know so when i say this it's very loose but they're building the equivalent of of luxury suites or or priority seating and they've got a test one right next to the riser robin and i sit on so you know tales from the press box we don't get to sit in the press box so our tales are from the concourse um but uh but so um craig you know asked bill daly at the nhl straight up like is it a possibility because people are starting to say like there might be some combination of games between prescott prescott and tucson in the new asu arena and bill daly would not shoot it down so that doesn't say it's happening but it's kind of wild that an nhl deputy commissioner isn't shooting down rumors that a team may play in three arenas, none of which have more than 6,000 seats or 6,400 seats, which Tucson has. Um, but, you know, part of it is the fact that they are, they are doing some work in the arena. So that that's going to be interesting to see what they actually pull out of that. And then the last one was talking about risers. I don't know who it was, but a scout on the one around the, the pole from where we sit, Robin, right. uh, you know, Scout got a little too close to the edge. Boom, goes flying. <laughs> the, the chair leg flew well, off the top of the riser. You and I have talked about this. Yeah, like, no. It, it's been ready to happen. And... Before, uh, they, they only put in the back railing yep. of that riser, I think, like uh, like about a month into the actual season. Mm -hmm. Beforehand, it was you and me sitting there with nothing behind us, and yeah. those chairs could easily fly back. And I was worried a couple times. That I would just like my I would fall back and hit my head on the concourse. Yeah, that reminds wild. me. Uh, I went to ASU games at Oceanside before the renovation. So like in twenty twelve. Yes, up top. This was during the NHL lockout, so I was just like, I need some kind of hockey to write about. Uh, so I went to ASU games, and that press box was very scary to be in because it's just like metal grating above the players i'm like this is terrifying yeah, i feel like a bit of you're fall. on you're literally on top of the bench or yeah not the bench of the uh the penalty box on top of the penalty <laughs> box and like yeah it was uh it was definitely an interesting thing uh and i remember going to the tucson arena for i think it was the last game of the acha season uh, and it was ASU U of A, and they gave me a ticket, and they're like, here you go, you're behind the goal. And I'm like, there's no netting behind this goal. I'm not sitting there. And they're like, why not? And it's like, uh, I know it's an ACHA game, but that puck still has a lot of speed. 
I don't want to get hit in the face with it. Uh, up, top? And, uh, up top? Behind the goal or where? It was like anywhere behind the, the goal. There was like no netting at the time. I, I don't. <laughs> it's got to be on like, the north side where the seats no, it was the actual seats. Actual seats. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's this the north side. That's nuts to have no it was, net there. Yeah, it was uh, it was like 2012, and like long before the Roadrunners were there, like so it was just uh college hockey. But yeah, no netting. It was like this is dangerous. I don't know what you guys are playing at, but yeah, I'll just sit on the concourse, and it was still fine. Like still great view, but yeah, I wasn't sitting there. I've seen videos of what the Tucson Arena used to look like before they did the renovations for the Roadrunners to come into town. It's it was wild. Yeah. It it definitely felt like a uh, like a college hockey arena, um, like a good college hockey arena, like probably better than you would expect for an ACHA team. Absolutely, but uh, looks like we're running out of time. You're actually running overtime on this episode. Uh, so, uh, Brett, I, um, I usually, of course, love, uh, leave closing thoughts to uh, to to any of our guests. So, anything you would like to share. Also, based and uh, give you know that last moments after that of how people can find you on, on you know everywhere that you uh, they put your stuff. Well, I appreciate it. Um, best ways to find me and follow along um, is uh, either follow me on social media on Twitter uh, at Brett Farah um, or head to Tucson.com. Tucson.com slash Roadrunners will get you straight to all the Roadrunners coverage. But no, thank you both for having me again. It's fun always to chat with you and uh, happy holidays. Hope it's a safe one. Hope it's a low key one. Uh, hope it's a, a it's a wonderful one as we head into the new year for you both. Thanks, absolutely, and thanks again for coming on. We really appreciate it. Um, that's going to be it for today's episode of Locked On Coyotes. If you like like what you hear, don't forget to leave a review, like, comment, subscribe if yet you're ready. We are available everywhere you get your podcasts, including on YouTube for our wonderful video podcasts. Also, don't forget to interact with us on social media. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Coyotes. On Twitter, at LO underscore Coyotes. I am personally at Robin underscore Leano. Once again, Robin with a Y underscore L-E-A-N-O. Carl Pavlik is at Carl Pavlik FFH. Ask us a question, interact with us. We can answer them right back or on a future episode of the Lockdown Coyotes podcast. Thanks again, everyone, for listening to today's episode. Thanks to Brett once again for coming on today. Hope you guys are all staying safe out there. Hope you guys are staying healthy. Happy holidays. And don't forget to howl on.